Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Isometry by Syntax 6 on Omniscribe. Rating Explicit. Chapter 3. This is the place, Miranda said, and pulled him into a narrow brick entryway. She paused to shake cold rain from their shared umbrella. The damp air had revived the scent of her shampoo. Breathing spring into their cramped quarters, even as fat winter drops fell from the ends of their coats. Her arm slid across his middle when she reached for the door handle. Always sticks in the rain, she said, giving the heavy wooden door a hard yank. Here. Mulder looped his arm over her head and grabbed the frozen handle. One sharp tug sent the door flying open and Miranda stumbling back against him. He jumped, but she flashed him a smile. Thanks. Inside, she unwound her scarf as he took in the atmosphere. Black and white pictures of Baltimore from the 60s, decorated on the walls. Camouflaging paint that had yellowed with smoke and age. A lone ceiling fan swirled air that smelled of old wood, stale heat, and wet woolen clothes. Mulder's feet crunched a few shattered peanut shells as he moved to check out the items on a nearby shelf. Bowling trophy, 1983. A wind-up monkey with a bass drum and a beer stein that could have easily held 22 pints. He smiled and tapped the monkey's drum. Hey, doll. We've missed your face around here. How you been? Mulder turned at the voice and found Miranda leaning across the bar to squeeze the man behind it. The low-hanging lights caught his bald head in full shine. Good win, Miranda replied. I've been good. Insanely busy, but good. Listen, I want you to meet someone. She stretched a hand back, and Mulder ambled over to her. Win, this is Fox Mulder, from the FBI. Agent Mulder, may I present Wynn Flynn, owner and proprietor of Carly's Pub. Flynn folded his beefy arms across his chest and cocked his head at Mulder. Fox, he said, you don't say. You're right, I don't say, Mulder agreed pointedly. I'm Mulder. Flynn grinned. I hear you. Winston's no prize either. Call me when. Not Carly, Mulder asked, and Flynn roared. Carly's my daughter. Her mother used to give me hell for naming a pub after a six-year-old, let me tell you. But she ain't six anymore. My baby got married last year and moved to Buffalo. So now I've got to make do with the likes of this one. He nodded at Miranda. My apartment is three blocks from here, she explained to Mulder. When we're going to take the booth in the corner, okay? It's all yours, doll. He seems nice, Mulder said, as they walked towards the back. Yeah, I stop in whenever I need a lecture about how I should get out more or how I'm not eating right. The fact that Wynn's dispensing this advice over a plate stacked with onion rings doesn't seem to lessen the passion of his message. She stopped at the booth and eyed him. You're not one of those guys who needs to sit facing the TV, are you? Mulder looked up to see that ESPN was muted above them. My season doesn't start for another few months, he said, as he slid across the scarred wooden bench. Ah, a baseball fan. The Orioles look like they might actually do something this year. A waitress dropped off their beer and Mulder sipped his black and tan. No, I'll be the Yankees all the way. Miranda leaned over the table at him. The Yankees? Didn't you say you grew up in Boston? Pinstripes are persona non grata there. 
Mulder shrugged and smiled. I enjoy living dangerously. You know, I sense that about you, she said, giving him an appraising look. Yeah? He straightened in his seat. Women usually sensed he was crazy, not dangerous. Yeah, she said, pretending to think. You mentioned something about wrestling around in a sewer with a giant fluke worm. That's either dangerous or stupid. My mother always said to be charitable, so. He tossed a peanut shell at her. How's that for dangerous? She ducked. For a man with a gun, you sure have crappy aim. She flicked the shell from the table, catching him square on the chin. Return fire, he said, as he picked up a handful of peanuts. Now I'm authorized to kill. She laughed and tried to fend off the rapid succession of shells he pelted in her direction, her long legs knocking against his under the table. He tried to pin her in one place with his knees, but she squirmed free. Okay, okay, she cried at last. Truce. There is no truce in the FBI. This would be the part where I break out the handcuffs. She arched an eyebrow at him. That might not be so bad. What? Mulder halted his fiddling with the shells and pulled his hands into his lap. Sex, his mind supplied. Complete with helpful images. Sex. It had been so long for him that sex seemed like one of those impossible theories he and Scully always argued about. I, uh, um, oh, geez. She shook her head and gave him a rueful smile. I didn't mean. Sometimes I say the first thing that pops into my head gets me in trouble all the time. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. Right. Mulder gave her a short nod to indicate that he had known it all along. His mind didn't give up hope so easily, however, and kept circulating distant memories of skin on skin. For all I know, you've got a girlfriend at home with a ring on her finger. Mulder traced the lip of his beer glass. Uh, no. No ring? No girlfriend. Just the words were enough to evaporate the porn show running in his head, as though his neurons realized it was a hopeless cause. Huh. She sipped her beer. I could have sworn you were taken. I'm pretty good at guessing these things, you know. She held the glass to her chin and studied him through narrow eyes. What about Agent Scully? She's not, he coughed. She's not seen anyone either. Scully has sex with men from bars, his brain started up again. You're the only loser in this equation. You stay home and jerk off while she goes out in her fuck-me shoes and drinks tequila shooters until her eyes go wild and his hands move up the inside of her thigh and she likes it and then he... Mulder squeezed his eyes shut. He knew no details, of course, but creativity filled in plenty. I just thought, Miranda said with a shrug, the way you answered David in class today. What? David. When he asked you about Agent Scully in the photo, he asked if he joined the FBI, could he work with her, and you said, No, this one's mine. Exactly. A joke, he said, because that's what it was. Scully had made herself quite clear on that matter. I'll fuck a paranoid psychotic murderer before you, Mulder. Okay, Miranda said. She looked uncomfortable. I didn't mean to pry. The waitress came with their burgers, breaking the tension, and Mulder busied himself with his beer and sodden cocktail napkin. We're just partners, he said, when the woman had gone. Miranda smiled. Good ones, it seems from your work. I'm sorry she couldn't have come with you today. Mulder hit the ketchup bottle a little too hard. Shit, he said, 
as red sauce splattered everywhere. It's okay. Take my napkin. I have to make a phone call, he said, sliding out of the booth. I'll be right back. People had been crowding in during his drink with Miranda, and he had to thread his way through the noise, smoke, and bodies to find a quieter spot near the restrooms. The phone pulled her from sleep, like a rope, hoisting a grand piano, each ring dragging her closer to consciousness. With her eyes still closed, she felt around under the covers for the receiver. Joint pain had set in, making her feel rusted and creaky. She clicked on, just as the machine picked up, and she used the message time to swallow the cotton from her mouth. Hello, she said, after the beep. Scully, it's me. I hope I didn't wake you. She curled into the pillow at the sound of his voice. What time is it? It's almost eight. I'm sorry I didn't call earlier. How are you doing? She made a small humming noise and considered. Dense as though she would sink to the bottom. Her head was heavy, but her limbs were weak. There were pinwheels of light spinning behind her eyes. She shivered under her blanket. I'm all right. Do you need anything? Each week she measured the cost of saying yes, the price of needing him. If it was just one night, she might be able to take it back on Monday. She could put on her press suit and serious expression and ignore him when he looked at her with eyes that had seen her retching over the toilet bowl. Maybe if it were just one night, she could still say, I'm fine, and make him believe it. Tears pricked her eyes. It's still raining, she said, when the wind swept gusts of water against her window. Just this once, she would say yes. She wouldn't even have to get out of bed to let him in. She could just say, Mulder, come over. And he would be there to untangle the hair from her eyes and fetch the heavy quilt from the closet. She would still hurt. She would still be dying. But at least she wouldn't be alone. It's pouring here too, he told her. If it keeps up like this, the drive back could be interesting. Drive? Drive back from where? She had been speaking aloud and not realized it. I'm still in Baltimore. Oh, she blinked in the darkness, remembering. Your lecture, how did it go? It was great, he said. She could hear the smile in his voice. I wish you could have been there. There was this one girl in the class named Gina who could have been your understudy. I think you would have liked her. Mm. She was drifting, half listening, waiting for her cue when he asked if she wanted him to come over. I'm glad it went well. Excuse me, Mulder muttered, and she heard a man's voice in the background. There was music, too. Mulder, where are you? Carly's Pub. It's this little hole in the wall outside the city, but the beer is pretty good. Miranda bought me dinner after the class. His tone was upbeat, happy. Scully pushed herself up on the pillows and tried to focus. You're still there with her, then? Yeah, but I can duck out if you need something. No, she said, her voice sounding far away to her own ears. You should enjoy your dinner. You earned it, after all. Kay. He acquiesced without their usual argument. You should eat something, too. Scully swallowed hard to control the flash of nausea. I... I will. Good. He hung on the line, maybe searching for concrete evidence he could give. Mulder liked specific tasks. But all he said was, Okay, then. Call me if you need anything. 
She was already forming her battle plan for the rest of the evening. Fetch quilt, swallow pills, crawl back into bed. She would have two more days to patch herself up before she had to see him again. I'll call, she said, pretending as though she meant it. He pretended to believe it, too. They hung up without saying goodbye. Outside Carly's, the rain had stopped, leaving black, shiny streets and heavy, frosty air. The cold didn't touch Mulder. His blood hummed warm from alcohol and laughter. She was teasing him again, bumping shoulders as they walked down the street. Zombies? Yep, he answered. Sea monsters. Naturally. Bigfoot? Of course. Of course. ESP, astral projection, reincarnation. She walked backwards in front of him, her hands deep in her pockets. He felt charged, crackling, like an electron about to be pulled into her orbit. Yes, yes, and yes, he told her. She stopped, forcing him to stop as well. Agent Mulder, is there anything you won't believe? He made a show of considering. Maybe not, but I am the gold standard of belief. In chemistry, we would call you absolute zero. I've been called worse. She laughed, and the sound of it echoed down the quiet street. Tell me about another one of your cases, she said, as they resumed walking. Well, not too long ago, we investigated several deaths in the San Joaquin Valley that were linked to El Chupacabras. You're kidding me. I did a paper on El Chupacabras in college. That myth has such a fascinating history and persists with amazing strength in some communities today. Mulder gave her a sideways glance. I know, he said, and she blushed. Sorry, bad habit. I tend to slip into lecture mode at the drop of a hat. He smiled. I bet you got an A on the paper, though. I still have some of the books I used, she admitted. There's one I found in a dusty used bookstore that's quite old. It shows some of the earliest known sketches of El Chupacabra's. Really? I'd like to see it sometime. How about now, she countered, stopping again. My apartment is just up there and around the corner. I can make coffee, too, if you like. Mulder's mouth went dry. Out in the open air, he can manage the dizzy buzz in his head and the loose heat of his bones. I understand if you have to get going, she said, when he hesitated. A graceful out, he thought, but his feet remained stuck to the pavement. Maybe it was the way her gloved hand grazed his jacket. Maybe it was the three beers he consumed with dinner. Maybe it was just his insatiable curiosity. But he wanted to see what could happen next. A dare to himself. How far he could go without tumbling down. Uh, sure. For a minute, he said finally. Her apartment turned out to be one half of an old Victorian-style home. She led him into a living room equipped with crown moldings, large front windows, and a high ceiling. The hardwood floor creaked under their feet. Please excuse the mess, she said, switching on a floor lamp. Buttery light shone over the cherry coffee table, a burgundy high-back chair, and a gray-stuffed sofa. Papers lined the table, and he saw a teacup hiding under one printed sheet. There was a chenille throw draped on the couch, but it seemed to have been appropriated by a fuzzy white cat. That's Arabella. Miranda said, when she saw him looking. She's quite friendly. Mulder tested that hypothesis by sticking his fingers under the creature's soft chin. 
Arabella stuck out her neck and leaned obligingly into his hand. He smiled as she started to purr. Miranda took off her coat and threw it over the back of a chair. Can I get you anything? Coffee? Tea? I'm fine, Mulder answered. Let me see if I can find that book. She walked across the room to the large bookcases that lined the far wall. Mulder rambled over as well. I don't see it here, she said after a moment. Let me check the bedroom. I'll be right back. While she was gone, Mulder scanned the titles on her shelves. She seemed to be a classic mystery buff. He noted many tales of little old English ladies solving murders on the sly. Incan history, ghost stories, medieval myths. He leaned down to see the lower shelves. When a loved one has cancer. How to fight cancer and when. The breast cancer survival guide. Unable to resist, he pulled out the first one. His heart pounded in his ears as he flipped it open to the middle. The faint scent of dust assaulted his nose. Sometimes, chemotherapy and radiation can result in irritating rashes on sensitive skin, he read. The one sentence was enough to make his stomach clench. Rashes. Did Scully get them? What other stuff was going on that he didn't know about? Suddenly, he felt a bit like a voyeur. He palmed the one book and bent over to see the others. I found it, Miranda called as she re-entered the room. Mulder startled. Hi, I was just, uh, looking at your books. She dropped her gaze to the one he held in his hand. It's okay, she said, but he scrambled to put it back. When he stood up again, Miranda was at his side. I just saw you had a lot of books on cancer. He stumbled around, feeling enormously awkward. My mother had it. She died two years ago. God, now he felt awful for trespassing. I'm sorry. Me too, she said, hugging herself. I miss her every day. But by the end, she was so sick that it was almost a relief when she died. I know that's a terrible thing to say. Of course it wasn't, but Mulder felt a flash of anger anyway. He couldn't imagine ever being grateful that Scully was dead. It's understandable, he said aloud, even though he didn't understand. Not really. Miranda gave him a wistful smile. Arabella was her cat, you know. Having her here helps me remember. She hesitated a moment, then laid a hand on his arms. I'm sorry if you know someone. A friend, he interjected quickly. Scully was such a private person, and she guarded her illness so closely. He wouldn't open her up to pity when she wasn't around to counter it. I'm sorry, Miranda said. She's going to be okay, he said. I know she will. Miranda rubbed his arm. Of course. They stood like that another moment, the warmth of her touch seeping through his coat and down into his skin. He could feel the burn from each of her fingers. Slowly, she slid her hand down until she met his. He let her clasp his fingers, and the smallest caress set his skin vibrating. He heard her shallow breathing. Fox, she murmured. I want you to know. I should go. He broke their contact and took a step towards the door. But you haven't even looked at the El Chupacabra book. She scooped it up from where she set it on the end table. It's okay, he said, still moving in the direction of the exit. Maybe another time. She followed him with the book in her hand. Here, she said, why don't you take it with you? That way we can be sure there will be another time. He stopped with his hand on the doorknob. I don't know. She slipped the book into his arms. 
take it. I can't let you do this. Too late, she whispered and kissed his cheek. You already have. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.